be in the hallway if you can hear my voice. Come and have a seat so we can start. Is that for me? Galatians chapter 6, and I'm also going to read a verse in um, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. (laughs) Galatians chapter 6, verse 6 and 7. I guess I thought it, yeah, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this day again. And as we said earlier, Father, we're so grateful to you for the blood of Jesus, for our adoption as your kids. Father, we thank you that we get to partner with you to see your kingdom manifest here on the earth. And that's what we want, Father. We want to see you lifted up. We want to see you glorified. We want to see your kingdom just spread all over the place. And Father, thank you that we get to be a part of it. Lord, we choose to hear what the Spirit of the Lord wants to say to us today. And by your grace, we will embrace it and be doers of the word and not just hearers only. So we open up our hearts to you. We open up our ears. And Holy Holy Spirit, we say, speak to us. Father, thank you for your anointing to deliver your word effectively and clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. About time you got here, Cornell. We can start now. Kind of prolong my prayer till he got here. <laughs> Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8, it says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. And then I'm going to read uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. It says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. He who does the will of God abides forever. The topic for this message is do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. How many of you want to do God's will? Of course, everybody's going to raise their hand. Of course, that's kind of a generic question. Or Are you positioning yourselves in such a way so that you can hear him and do his will? I'm not asking you to answer that, but I want you to think about that. Do not be deceived. A couple of weeks ago, uh, the last time I spoke, two weeks ago, you may remember that I shared about the uh, situation I encountered or had with the, the automobile purchase or thought I was purchasing on eBay, Craigslist. You guys remember that? Those of you who weren't here uh, two weeks ago, I'd encourage you to listen to that message. It's called, I believe it's called an expression of faith, something like that. But I shared in um, painful detail how I fell victim to a, a scam. And, and interesting, after that, a brother in the church came up and, and he said, he said, I've been thinking about this. 
but how could you fall to that? How did you fall into that? And and if I remember right, his question was, you know, I'm a committed Christian. I love the Lord. I'm a pastor of a church. How could I fall into something like that? That's a very good question. How could I fall victim to something like that? And I won't ask you to raise your hand. And the funny thing was, after I shared that, um, other people shared how they experienced similar incidences like that. And me and the one brother were just laughing and going on and on because we we're sharing stories. <laughs> They're funny now, but they weren't funny back then. You know, those kind of stories where you you fall into something hook, line and sinker. But first of all, I allowed myself to be set up. I was frustrated. I was frustrated due to our situation. My son was in an accident. Someone ran into him or it was their fault and, and totaled my car. He was driving my car. And uh, totaled my car and person didn't have insurance. And so there was all this kind of stuff going on. And uh, so we were looking for a car, trying to figure out how we're going to do this because we needed another car, all that kind of stuff. So I was frustrated because I was in the situation trying to figure out how to fix it, trying to figure out how to move forward with it. And then I was also desperate. You know, got to find something, got to find something, got to find something. So I was looking around, looking in the newspapers, looking at Craigslist, eBay and all that kind of stuff. Look in the classifieds. Then I found what I had been looking for. A dream come true. I found the car, and it had to be God. You know what I mean? It had to be God because my situation was this, and all of a sudden, here's the answer to prayer. It was low mileage. It was a recent year, excellent condition, incredible price. Contacted the guy, asked him a few questions, <coughs> contacted him through email, and I was led to believe that I was doing the transaction through eBay. And uh, so I began to do what he said to do. Next thing I knew, I was out $3,700. How stupid can you be? But what happened? How did that happen? And maybe you might know somebody who's done something similar. Because I know you didn't do it. But maybe you know somebody who... um, Saw the situation or saw this deal, which I thought was a good deal. Ended up sending money off and I still don't have the car. I'm still waiting for the car. But I lost $3,700. And it's like, how could that happen? I got to a place where I was emotionally hooked. Desperate, frustrated, emotionally hooked. Here's a debate. All of a sudden, here's a situation. It's got to be God. Just ran right into it. I was emotionally locked into getting this vehicle. At this point, I became blinded to reason and wisdom. I didn't care about the facts. I just wanted the car. Didn't care. Now, in reality, I did care. But what happened was I became so emotionally attached to the situation. It had to be God. It was good and everything. And I just got so fixed on that. I didn't see all the warning signs that a normal person who wasn't attached emotionally would see. I just blew right past them, ran the red lights, boom. So I became emotionally attached in the situation. And of course, I wanted this car and I had to hurry up and get it before someone else did. Here it was listed in Craigslist. It's like, oh, my goodness, are you serious? How come nobody else discovered this? 
This has to be God. This is for me. And I had to hurry up because if, some, if I didn't hurry up and move on this, then somebody else might move on it and get it before I did. So there was a sense of urgency. And so all these factors played together. And boom, I fell into this situation. Beware of deception. I want to read another verse. First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.8. You might write these down and read them later because I'm going to go through these pretty quick. But just for your notes. 1 Timothy 1, verse 18 and 19. 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. And then 2 Timothy 4, verse 3 and 4. This charge I commit to you, son. 1 Timothy, 18 and, uh, 1 Timothy 1, 18 and 19. You son, Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck. First Timothy four, one and two. Now, the spirit expressly says, expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. In the second Timothy four. Verse 3 and 4, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and turn aside to myths. Now, what got my attention when I when this all happened? You know, and as I was going through this and everything and, and when I shared a couple of weeks ago, I experienced the grace of God in a wonderful way. God is so good. Even when you do something stupid like this, God is really good. And he came through, helped me and everything. And I shared all that. You have to listen to that on the, on the Internet. You can. But one thing I realized when the Holy Spirit began to talk to me to see how easy it is to be deceived. How easy we can fall in deception. And I'm not talking necessarily just on this level of, of getting scammed. Getting ripped off, you know, a few thousand dollars or hundreds of dollars or whatever. I'm not talking about that kind of thing, although that's important and we don't want to continue to do that either. But I'm talking about on a higher level. And the Bible says, in 1 Timothy, Paul says, the Holy Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart, leave the faith. They will turn away. Turn away from Jesus. Like, how is that? They give themselves over to deceiving spirits. Deception. Because if I were to ask all of you right now that are Christians, how many of you are born again, you're giving your life to Jesus Christ, and you raise your hand, I said, okay, from five years from now, how many of you are going to continue to be walking with Jesus? How many of you are going to still be walking with Jesus Christ five years from now? Of course, we'd all raise our hands. How many of you 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 50 years from now? And we'd all raise our hands. And I bet all the people who have been deceived, who have turned away from Christ, who have departed from the faith. If I were to ask them that same question before they turned away, they'd raise their hands, too. But something happened and they turned away. And the Bible says it is going to happen. And I'm sure you know of people. That maybe you got saved around the same time. People used to run with the ministry and everything, and years later you found out that that person didn't want to have anything to do with Jesus anymore. Anybody know people like that? I do. What happened? Maybe at one point they were so on fire for Jesus. Just like these young people that we heard from this morning. What they're experiencing now. On fire for the Lord. Want to pursue Jesus. 
But do you realize statistically, 85% of those young people will not be walking with God once they leave their homes? 85%, eight and a half out of 10, statistically. Now, how in the world, now if I were to ask them that, all these youth say, how many of you are going to be following Jesus Christ five years from now? They'd all, woohoo, yeah, bring it on. But what's the reality going to be? Do not be deceived. How do you know when a person is moving towards or has fallen into deception? How do you know if a person is beginning to go down that path of moving in deception? I'll give you a few clues. Number one, they no longer want to hear or are open to wise or godly counsel. They don't want to hear. In other words, they may come to you <coughs> asking for counsel, but then you tell them something that's biblical, which happens to be contrary to what they thought they were going to hear or what they want to hear, and then they, oh, I have to go somewhere. They don't want to hear it. They no longer want to hear or are open to wiser godly counsel. They are only open to counsel that... Um, they will agree with. They only want to hear what they want to hear. If you're only open to counsel that you, that you know, let me back up. They only put themselves in situations or they surround themselves with people that are going to tell them what they want to hear. That's what I'm trying to say. They begin to surround themselves with people just like them who agree and, agree and believe what they believe. And so if I'm doing something or if I want to do something, I go ask my friend who I know he thinks like me. And I say, what do you think about this? Oh, yeah, go for it. Do it. That's good. Yeah, that's what I thought. It's a dangerous path. Their life becomes all about what they want and not what God wants. Their life becomes about all they want. We have a number of people that, that come in and out. Uh, people that Lisa and I have met over the years. They come and say, I want to start following Jesus. I want Jesus. We want to start coming to church and all these things. They start saying all these things and then they they want to get with us for counsel, whether it's their, their you know, marriage relationship or whatever the case is. And we start talking to them, answering their questions and tell them things that are according to God's word, not what they want to hear. And the next thing you know, they they disappear. They disappear. And then you see them a year or two or three later. And they're still where they were years ago, or maybe even worse. Uh, another thing is they're not submitted to authority. If a person is not submitted to authority, then they are on their way down deception, a path of deception. Another one, they begin to move into a form of godliness, but there's no power, no reality of God's presence in their life. People can come to church. They can go to church. They can have a form of religiosity. They can look right, smell right, think right, or, you know, they can have this appearance about them. And they can be moving aggressively down a path of destruction, a path of deception. Because they have the look, but when you dig deeper, they're not walking the walk. And I just want to share some things. How do you avoid falling victim to deception? So about five practical keys. First of all, do what the sign says. 
says, I am yours. First of all, we have to be committed to Jesus Christ. We have to commit ourselves to him. And I'm not talking about just praying a prayer so that you skip hell and go to heaven. I'm not talking about that kind of thing. And I really don't believe the Bible teaches that. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and confess Jesus as Lord, you shall be saved. When it's talking about confessing Jesus as Lord, it's not lip service. It's not, okay, I confess Jesus as Lord, now am I saved? It's you are confessing what your heart is believing. I confess, I submit to him as Lord. That's what the Bible teaches. The Bible talks about repentance. In other words, it's not just praying a prayer and getting saved. It's submission of your life to him. Does that make sense? And I'm so passionate about that because so many people, there's all kinds of gospel messages preached in this community or this country. Where people think you can just pray a prayer and you're okay. I prayed the prayer, so I'm not going to hell, I'm going to heaven. And I believe many of those people are going to be the ones when Jesus says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy? Did we not cast out demons? Did we not do all these wonderful things? Wait a minute, hold on a second. I prayed the prayer. Didn't I do that? And Jesus is going to say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. That concerns me. If you think you're okay and you're going to heaven, then you stand before God and he says, depart from me. That is not good news. That is the worst thing you could ever hear. So the first thing is, is you must surrender your life to Jesus Christ. He's yours. Would you agree with me on that? John 8, verse 31 and 32. Actually, I'm going to turn there. John chapter 8, Gospel of John. Verse 31, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. I think one one of the most misquoted verses or not fully quoted is the truth shall set you free. How many of you have heard that before? Truth shall set you free. Or you'll know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Have you even heard that? But they're not quoting the whole thing. It says, if, if you abide in my word or if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples. Then you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. You see the progression there? There's a progression. A, then B, then C, then D. You can't just skip the D. Truth shall set you free. It'll set you free if you continue in his word, if you're his disciple. You submit it to Jesus Christ. So we have to be submitted to Jesus Christ, and his word must be our authority. This has to be the authority. This is not a book of suggestions where we take the good stuff and leave out the bad stuff or the stuff we don't like. That's what we, that's what we do in America a lot. And unfortunately, we've come up with a gospel that doesn't work in other parts of the world. You know, in our society, in America, I can be a Christian on Sunday, but on Monday, nobody has to know I'm a Christian. 
I can act one way on this day and I can be another way on this day. I can stand before you and say, oh, yeah, I love Jesus Christ. He's everything to me. I'm totally his. And let's say I'm in the workplace on Monday and people, aren't you one of those Christians? Me? No. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Well, we may not necessarily say it with our lips, but our lifestyle reflects that we're not following him. And we believe it's okay. That's what concerns me. We believe it's okay. That's called deception. If we believe we can have a relationship with God and embrace sin and walk in sin willfully. That's deception. The Bible says that we've been set free. We've been set free from sin. Doesn't mean we're free to continue in sin. We're free from the power of sin. And we throw that word grace. Well, God's grace, God's grace. Well, God's grace gives us the ability to not choose sin. Gives us the ability to walk free from sin. And if we're struggling with sin, one, that's good because you're struggling. But learn what it means to move into the grace of God so you can be free from that. And there are wonderful ministries to help us, to disciple us. You know, Todd made mention of of, uh, Father's Heart earlier. It's a wonderful ministry. It's a practical discipleship tool to help us to learn to walk free from sin. That's the way I see it. But anyway, the point is, is we've adopted a gospel where we can say we're Christians and live any way we want to. And then people stand before Jesus and they think they're okay. And then he says, I never knew you. That concerns me. But we have to commit our lives to Jesus and his word and how you know that his word is our authority. What he says is what I choose to do. What he says is what I want to do. What he says is what I embrace. He who does the will of God shall abide forever. His will is what I want to do. But it's only because I've committed myself to him. It's because I'm getting to know him and I'm coming to the realization that what he wants for me is something that I want for me. You remember Adam and Eve, their, their problem was God said, here, you got all this good stuff. Don't, touch, don't eat that tree right there. Don't eat from that tree right there. You can have everything else. And the deception that Eve fell into when the snake, you know, when Satan came and all that. He led her to believe that God was holding back. Oh, he just doesn't want you to be smart like him. I'm paraphrasing. But you know what I mean? In other words, he got her to think that God was holding back. The reason why he didn't want her to eat from that tree was because he was withholding some really good stuff from her. And when we choose not to do God's will or embrace what he wants, that's the deception we've fallen into. We believe that God is withholding something really good. And therefore, we reject it. Proverbs 4, verse 7 and 8. It says, the beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom. And with all your acquiring, get understanding. Prize her and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. The second key is become a lover of truth. Become a lover of truth where you you want the truth, where you want wisdom more than anything else. 
See, when I shared the example of that, that vehicle situation, I wanted that vehicle. I wanted that. And the funny thing is, how many of you guys are familiar with Craigslist? Anybody? It's a place where you can go and there's all kinds of listings, whether you want to buy a car, a house, a horse. No. Um, all kinds of stuff on there. You can buy and sell all kinds of stuff. And it's a lot of good deals on there. But if you open up the list, I'm not sure if it's just in the car listings or if it's on the opening page. I can't remember right now. But on the top it says it gives you a warning so that you do not fall victim to scams. And it's plain as day. It's right there. And I had the audacity to think that wasn't there before. They just put that up there after I fell into the scam. That's what I thought. I thought, I wish they would have put that up there when I was going through this whole thing. But it's been there all the time. But I didn't see it. I was blind to the truth because I really didn't want to see truth. I don't want to see anything that was going to take me away from getting this car. I don't want to hear it. Now, this isn't what I was saying consciously. But I think because I was so emotionally wanting this, I don't want anything to take me away from it. Because this is truth. It was what God wanted for me. And I don't want anything to, to take away from that. And so I became blinded to the truth. Became blinded. And that's what can happen in our lives. That's what happens to a lot of people. They get so emotionally attached to something. Let's say a relationship, for example. You fall over this person. And it's like, oh my goodness, this is... And you allow your emotions to get deeper and deeper and deeper. And then it's like, oh, I wonder if this is God's will. You're like, hmm, what if it's not God's will? And again, I'm not saying you think this consciously necessarily. But if you embrace something and you want it so bad, then what happens? You begin to surround yourself by people who are going to agree with you. Melissa and I have had people come to us in a relationship, well into the relationship. It wasn't a godly situation. And we could tell it wasn't a godly situation. We started talking to them. They confirmed it wasn't a godly situation, but they felt it was God. And they wanted counsel. Well, we gave them counsel, according to the Bible, and they left and we didn't see them anymore. They go ahead and get married or continue a relationship and it's a disaster. It's a fiasco. People are hurt. Situation is horrendous and all that nonsense. They could have avoided it if they were really open to godly counsel and say, God, what do you want for me? And God would have spared him that garbage. And he would have said, you know, I don't want you to have that because I have something a whole lot better for you. I have someone in store for you or this situation in store for you. But if we're already too emotionally, emotionally attached, we're not going to want the truth anymore. And that can happen with anything. That can happen with a mission trip. You can get excited about doing something for the kingdom. And there's a mission trip coming up. You say, oh, I want to go, I want to go. And you get all emotionally stirred. And of course, it's got to be God. But then you ask, you know, is this God? And it may not be. But you're so emotionally connected to it, you don't want to hear what God has to say. And so you go forward with it. And it doesn't turn out the way you thought or stuff happens and that kind of thing. And then we blame God. You know, my brother was asking me about the car situation because the first thing after it happened, I remember the first thought, one of the thoughts that went through my mind was, God, how could you allow this? 
How could you allow me to, to fall into this mess? But I stopped because I knew better. Now remember, God does allow us to have free will, doesn't he? We're not robots. But God in his grace and his love and his mercy, he will set things up so we can be successful. And that's called this right here. If we follow it, his biblical principles, his counsel, we can walk and live successfully. If we ignore this, and we're going to fall into a bunch of junk and lose money or end up in messed up relationships and all that kind of thing. And I remember I stopped. I wasn't going to blame God because I knew he didn't lead me into that situation. The lust of the flesh, the pride of life, the lust of the eyes. I allowed it to grab a hold of me because that car, they had pictures of that car, by the way. Beautiful car. Pristine, clean, immaculate. It was awesome. It was beautiful. She's so beautiful. She's so wonderful. She's so... I mean, she's my soulmate. She's everything I've always wanted. I'm not talking about the car anymore. I hope you made that connect, that skip with me. And we get so connected, so locked up into something. And then want to kind of sort of halfway ask God if it's his will. And then it can be too late. You know, one thing I see people do is we'll try to make the truth conform to us instead of us conform to the truth. How do you do that? Well, one way is if you're confronted, if, you're, if you have certain attitudes or participating in certain actions and someone confronts you, someone who cares about you, loves you, they confront you on that and you justify your actions or your attitudes and say, well, it's okay because I'm different. Or the word wasn't meaning my situation. And then we dismiss it. Oh, he wasn't talking about me because I'm special. And people do that all the time. And if you do that, that's a very dangerous place to be because when you're confronted with the word, our response should be, oh, God, I'm guilty. He, he resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You humble yourself. You realize, oh, man, that is me. Now, I'm not saying you're not going to react because normally we're going to react. When you're confronted, your reaction is to react. That's the first reaction. But when you calm down, because usually you let your emotions speak, you say things you didn't wish you had to say. But when you calm down and say, okay, God, I'm, I'm wrong. Show me. Help me. His grace will come in. He gives you the ability to move forward in him. That's where his grace becomes available. And he will turn you and turn you and deal with you and change you. And that's what he's wanting to do. He's wanting to change us to become more like Jesus. We're going from glory to glory. He, doesn't, he loves us the way we are, but he wants to change us to make us more like him. And we will be more content as we allow him to change us. Do you want to stay? The, do you wish you were still the way you were 10 years ago? Does anybody think, man, I wish I was still the way I was 10 years ago. I was selfish and conceited and arrogant. I so wish I was that way still. Anybody? So, God, why can't you leave me alone and keep me the same? You know, I don't think any of us want that. But we wrestle and fight because we don't, we're resisting his change. 
But faith is understanding and trusting that he has his best interest in mind for you. So the more you get to know him, the more you experience him, you realize, you know what? He's really good. And even though it hurts, when I allowed him to bring me through this process, it was painful and I didn't like it. But wow, look at this. This is cool. God signed me up again. Then he signs you up again. You go through another trial. Oh, I didn't mean this. I was just kidding. But when we let him bring us through to where he wants us to, we see that God, thank you. How many of you have been through bad situations or a bad trial, a real challenging trial? And after you got to the other side and you saw the goodness of God, you don't want to go through it again. But you say, God, thank you for allowing me to go through that. Because it was so wonderful. Now, I don't want to do it again, but thank you for that. Surround yourself with and listen to wiser godly counsels. People will tell you the truth. People who will tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. You need to surround yourself with godly people, godly counsel. And we've talked about that. Stay in submission to authority. Be teachable. Have you ever come across a person that knows it all or act like they know it all? We know they don't. So you act like it. They, they're not teachable. So, yeah, I know, I know, I know. They don't feel like the situation applies to them. Yeah, I know, I know. They're not teachable. And if we're not careful, we can be, I've been saved for 10 years. What do you think you're trying to tell me? We need to stay, stay teachable because every single one of us can learn. Every single one of us need to learn and continue to be open to learning. Keep God's will and obedience to him your number one priority. Keep his will your number one priority. And that's going to happen as we stay in love with him, as we spend time with him. Because what is at stake here? What are we talking about? I'm not talking about a Honda on Craigslist necessarily. But we're talking about missing the will of God for our lives. You know, I hear a lot of Christians say, one, I want, to, I want to know God's will for my life. Or two, I want to hear God more. I wish I could hear God more clearly. <coughs> I can tell you one key. If you want to hear God more, more often, I'll tell you one key that will guarantee that you'll hear him a whole lot more. It's not hard, but it's difficult. Obedience. The reason why many people do not hear God, because their heart, it's like they want to hear God, but they're positioned in such a way that, okay, God, tell me what you want to tell me, and then I'll decide if I'm going to do it or not. In other words, like, go ahead and tell me, God. God says, do this. Mm, tell me something else. <laughs> I don't like that one. God's like, okay, how about this? I don't like that one. Have you got anything else? But that's the way we approach God. He says, I want you to do this. I don't like that. And so then, maybe a few days later, a week later, a month later, it's like, God, how can we not speak to me? He already told you what to do. Why does he have to repeat it? Unless you're positioning yourself in such a way to obey, then he's probably not going to waste his time telling you. Because he already knows you're not going to say it, not do what he says to do. But those who obey him, God, your servants here, what do you want to tell me? What do you want me to do? And he tells you. 
whew, that is hard. God, help me. He gives you the grace to begin to do that. Then you do that. You walk in that. So God, everything else, boom, he tells you. Wow, that was pretty easy. You may struggle with it, but you do it. You walk in obedience. And you're going to hear more and more and more and more and more. I remember one time I was, I was practicing the prophetic. I was learning and developing that gift. Of The Bible says everybody can prophesy. And I was teaching a, a class or doing a, I don't know what you want to call it, but to, I was going to, wanted to demonstrate with the people how easy it was to hear from God. And so I felt like the Lord was saying he was wanting to give me a word for each person. Boom, 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 boom. I was going to give him the word. I was going to write it down and give this to him and say, okay, look at this and see if it's true or not. Don't waste my time with, well, yeah, kind of. I can see how it could be true. Don't want to hurt my feelings, but it's either yes or it's no. And so as I was praying for each person, I pray. My mind, I would put my hand on their back or their shoulder or whatever, and the Holy Spirit would give me a word for them. And I'd write it down. Next person. Write it down. Next person. Write it down. After this one person. Praying, 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 nothing, 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 nothing. It's like, man, what's going on? So I start praying harder. Shum, Baba Sunday, you know. How you turn it up, you crank it up a couple of notches. I'm serious, God. So I was praying, 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 nothing. And then the Holy Spirit whispered in my, in my spirit. He said, will you do what I tell you? I really got scared. Or, you know, he said, will, will I tell them, actually, would I tell them what he's telling me or what I do, something like that. And my heart started pounding because it's like, huh. So what I was seeing was that the reason why he wasn't telling me anything, because I wasn't going to do it. If he had told me, I said, mm, okay, I didn't hear you on that one. Give me something else. That's how my heart was positioned. I wasn't really positioned to obey. When he asked me that question, it took me a few more moments to pray. Not so I could hear God, but so my heart could get right. And so then I said, okay, God, I will do it. And then he told me, he just downloaded, boom. I was like, it's like, whoa. And I wrote it down and I shared it with this person and it was right. It was right on. And I got to participate and help break a situation, break the bondage of the enemy in this person's life because I was obedient and actually shared with them what God put on my heart. But see, the reason why many Christians don't hear God, they have a hard time hearing God, is because we're not positioning ourselves in such a way to hear and obey. It's just we want to hear and then choose if we're going to obey or not. Is this true for you? Or is it, I am yours as long as you and I agree? Or I am yours as long as I get my way? Too many, too many well-meaning Christians, people that I love and adore and respect, they're going for God and they begin to fall into deception. And it's like, how could that person go that path? How could that happen? I mean, there are some powerful men and women in the past that, that the history books talk about. They started off on fire, great guns, powerful miracles, a manifestation of heaven, just boom. 
And then they kind of went off on a tangent. It's like, how in the world did that happen? It all starts with Craigslist. Just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. I don't know if they had Craigslist back in the day. Bottom line, my heart to encourage you with is do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. You know, there is stuff on the horizon. There's stuff infiltrating the church right now. New Age is all over the church, all in the church. There's stuff that they believe and they're propagating that Christians have bought hook, line, and sinker. You know, there's a man out there. Uh, his name is Rob Bell, and he's written a book. And I don't know the name of the, I can't remember the name of the book, but basically he's propagating that there is no hell. He's supposed to be a Christian, pastor, whatever. There is no hell. And his premise is because God is a God of love. How can he send people to hell? How can there be a hell? And, you know, if you think about that, that makes sense. If God's a God of love, then how can, if one plus one is two, then how can, how can there be a hell? Because Jesus said there was a hell. Plain and simple. Jesus talked about hell more than anybody else in the Bible. Revelation talks about hell. Hell is a reality. It is a reality. We need to understand and we just need to trust and know God. We can't use our logic. Well, if God's a God of love, then this can't be true. God is a God of love, but he's also a God of holiness. Justice. He has other attributes, too. We don't destroy or remove all these other attributes just because God's a God of love. We really don't understand what all that means. But what's happening, my son texted me a few weeks ago, a number of weeks ago. Trey texted me. He said, Dad, have you heard about this guy? You heard about this book? And I was like, oh, brother, you found out about him? And what's going on is he said many people are buying, buying into this. So he was, he's like, what's going on? And basically, if there's no hell, then what judgment is there to fear? Then I can live any way I want to and I'm going to be okay. You see where that leads? If you do away with the truth in the Bible, no hell, hmm, I can do what I want. Now, why wouldn't you not believe that? I mean, it's like the Bible talks about in the last days, people are going to be deceived. They're going to be turning away from the truth, accumulating for themselves teachers that tickle their ears. Tell them what they want to hear. Folks, hell is a reality that none of us want to experience. And no one that you know wants to experience that either. But they may not know about it, so we need to tell them. Okay, let's stand. We need to examine ourselves and see where we are. If, any, if, if the Holy Spirit brought conviction in your life in any point of this, you need to allow him to minister to you.